little friend in here with us. I have Olive. Well, you can't really Aww. see it. Yep. <laughs> so I'm really addicted to mummy today. I just can't be away from her for far fucking minutes. <laughs> I'm having problems. Oh. Okay. So how have you been? Oh, good. Just uh, getting into my classes and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. It's going well. Yeah. What you taking? Yeah. What you taking? Uh, sociology, A and P, two plus the lab, and then a leadership and development course. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds I like good. it. Not, not, not a lot of sciences this time, not two sciences at once. So that, that makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more calm. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, um, doing this research, reading this book, I feel like I've been back in college a little bit. Um, except, yeah. I don't have smoke breaks anymore. So, <laughs> so oh, that, um, oh, I know. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, I wish they weren't awful. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Going outside, smoking cigarettes at night, talking to the local colorful people. Um, yeah. <laughs> But today I I have a Grandi iced pistachio, which I'm drinking at 840 at night, which isn't very smart, but uh, I'm, I'm drinking some homebrew coffee. So I, yeah, no. just the same. I, I don't know. I guess that means we have ADD or, well, I don't know what that means. But <laughs> you know what? I was watching these TikToks that are fucking spooky. Oh, fuck. Speaking of yeah. ADD, I, I, I get, I get ads for ADHD constantly, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on TikTok, there's this woman named ugh, fuck. I can't find her anyways. Her name is, Sh- I think it's Sharon something, but she tells all these scary ghost stories. Right. And so, Ooh. and all these things that are happening in her house, which I find interesting. And I was thinking to myself, thank God I'm so scatterbrained or slightly ADHD because I put shit everywhere. I never put things mm-hmm. back where they're supposed to be. There's messes, <laughs> little little goblin nests all over the house. So if there is a ghost, it would literally have to pick up my coffee and float it in front of my fucking face for me to <laughs> acknowledge it. Like you can't oh, be subtle. Did you say something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't be subtle. <laughs> has to be a very very violent ghost so yeah but (laughs) yeah so welcome to freaks of a feather i'm emily wooten and this is mary boom hi hello everyone and today we're picking up what i think is probably the most interesting part of this series Mm. is mina crandon So Mm. to recap, last week we went over the unfortunate relationship between Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It was tumultuous. Mm. Yes. Hashtag tragic. Very tragic. Yeah. So we covered some of the mediums that were overtly full of shit. 
And mm-hmm. this week, we're going to cover something that's a little bit different, a little bit more spooky. Oh, oh I'm excited for this. <laughs> oh, Mary, just wait. Just wait. Oh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, in fact. Um, so, <laughs> Mina Crandon. Over and over again, she is going to come up in these articles that are going to be written about her under the name Marjorie because she wanted anonymity, right? And of course, these articles are written by men in their late 50s who are just fucking hankering for some <laughs> some young young trim, right? <laughs> just, I don't know. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> And so they're always uh, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in every article they write about her, these old these old men <laughs> go on about how, unlike other mediums we had met, old women, basically widows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was young and blonde and beautiful. Oh, yeah, my favorite. (laughs) Uh, It's just has nothing to do with her powers, but it's so, yeah, it's, it's it's fucking funny. Yes. Yeah. You know, wish I could say things that have changed, but no. Um, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Anyways, (laughs) Mina was noticed as a young and pretty blonde, very bubbly, very cordial person but also extremely intelligent and witty so Hmm. in her early 20s mina crandon was a widow with a child uh named john and then she met this gynecologist (laughs) who was actually a commander in the navy um met him in london when she was a volunteer ambulance driver okay dang this guy named Roy Crandon. And Roy was well into his late 40s when they married. <laughs> she was in her early 20s. So, All you right. know, mm-hmm. she went... Different times. <laughs> you know, I mean, it happens. Yeah. So, yeah. after her marriage to Roy, Mina becomes this well-to-do socialite. You know, she's well-respected. And they live in Beacon Hill and Boston, Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. so Roy, okay, I'm just going to go out and say it. <laughs> Roy's kind of a douchebag. Um, <laughs> no joke intended because he is a guy now, but <laughs> he is kind of a douche. He is kind of a douchebag. He's one of those people where time and time again, we're going to see him like Mina will show her personality or tell a joke or something. And he'll be like, um, Mina, you sh- tisk tisk. <laughs> like, no, tone it down, Mina. <laughs> tone it down. You're being a bit much. <laughs> and it's just like, no, you know what, Roy? I don't think you can handle I think you're just, I'm not intimidating. You're intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> and so be, he was very candid in expressing how his wife was, she drove too fast, she was precarious, and she rode her horse too wild, which <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that sounds like a you problem, Roy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Roy. <laughs> 
I remember having a friend who rode horseback and she was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? She was like, she's like, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You don't mean for it to happen, but it happens. (laughs) So now, now we know why horse girls are horse girls. So (laughs) I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, so Mina was, again, she was known for her wit and her sense of humor. And so how does she get discovered? Well, Roy Crandon was very suspicious of mediums. He was a physician. He was a gynecologist, but he had two friends, the Richardsons, who were really into spiritualism because their children died and they wanted to contact them. And so he started attending these symposiums that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was holding in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so he got more and more interested in it. They were both known to hold these lavish, gracious parties. They were wonderful hosts. And one day she and her friend Kitty Brown, like we said last time, they were riding Mm -hmm. around, riding on horseback, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> group activity a now <laughs> a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over cobblestones <laughs> um and they they decided on a whim oh my god let's go see a spiritualist oh my god we should we should it'd be so funny <laughs> and kitty just candidly asked her she's like why is your husband starting to get interested in spiritualism i mean he's a doctor which mm-hmm. me responded, she was like, you know, as a guy, no, naturally he would be interested in exploring the netherworld. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. And so, oh, yeah. The clairvoyant that they went to see that day said that he could see her blonde haired older brother coming through from the other side. And he huh. told Mina that soon she would be, quote-unquote, called to the work. When thinking about it, her her older brother, Walter Stinson, it kind of made sense for her Mm -hmm. that he would come to visit. They were very close as children. He looked after Mm -hmm. her, taught her how to ride horses, which, given the jokes (laughs) we've made, is very problematic right now. (laughs) Yeah. Helped her get out of trouble, all sorts of things. Walter actually had a knack for the occult, and he started doing the things like the table turning and rapping like the Fox sisters, mm-hmm. probably just joking around. And it really pissed off their father, who was really religious. And so oh. it was banned in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you put your no. oracle cards away, Walter. I'm going to uh, get the switch out. I'm getting the switch. Uh, <laughs> even so, even like thinking about this, like, oh, it makes sense he would visit. She she laughed it off. And they all laughed it off. They're like, ah, it's just, you know, l- lucky, lucky guess that she had an older brother who was dead. You know, lucky guess. Yeah. Roy, though, he was suspicious. He was mm-hmm. further propelled into the work by her going and seeing this medium made him think about it more. And so his research led him to the work of one Dr. William Jackson Crawford. That's mouthful. Yeah. 
And he was a mechanical engineering professor and he had a proclivity towards psychic phenomena. So Crawford, funny enough, had focused on this non-professional medium named Kathleen Goliger or Goliger. She was well-known in Belfast, Ireland. Um, Crawford had sat with her in her family's attic for over 170 seances. Jeez. He had wow. witnessed, quote-unquote, rods of light eject themselves from her vagina <laughs> <laughs> and lift the table up into the air. What a power to have. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you know kathleen she's got that clam like a bear trap <laughs> it's just like god jesus that's some strength um yes. she can crack walnuts with her fucking her pussy muscles <laughs> god. what an f- interesting <laughs> power for her to choose to have oh yeah but not now spirits not now i'm at cracker barrel Uh, my chicken and dumplings no so he had witnessed the table also turn upside down turn right side up several times the table had bobbed up and down in midair like it was floating in choppy water so crawford himself he said i'm gonna i'm gonna fix this so this table can't be fucked with like magnetic forces or anything so he built this table that was sturdy without any hidden compartments no screws that could be magnetized and he put her to the test and the same phenomena continued to happen he couldn't explain it And because of the measures that he took, including he used spring scales, pressure sensors, electroscopes, photography, couldn't figure out how the fuck this was happening. Roy admired his approach to this. And so he tried to contact Crawford, but Crawford took his own life by filling his pockets with heavy rocks and basically walking out into a lake and drowning himself. Yep. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) And apparently before he died. Are we sure he just wasn't collecting? Was he not just collecting rocks? You know, I love rocks. I want to bring these to my collection. Oh, there's a really pretty one down here. It's kind (laughs) of deep, but oh, shit. (laughs) No, he he wrote he wrote a note. No, (laughs) he wrote a note. Oh, well, and in it, he told them, oh, this has nothing to do with uh, Kathleen or the Goligers or any of the phenomena this is something that I just can't handle anymore. Really sad shit. Just really sad. But yeah, just really sad. So he couldn't get a hold of him. Instead, Roy set out to build his own table that matched Crawford's blueprints. Okay. So he got a hold of these blueprints and he built a 17 pound table of rough wood that had no wrought iron in its construction. And this worked for a double purpose, right? So mm-hmm. you couldn't magnetize it and get it, you know, do some trickery with magnets. And also it was mm-hmm. believed that the iron in the the screws fucked with the other plane for some reason. Hmm. Yeah. By some mediums, they thought that. And so wow. 
one evening, Roy decided we're going to have a seance. We're going to, we're going to just fuck around. We're going to see what happens. So they invited <laughs> over six of their friends, including Kitty Brown and her Ooh, husband, Kitty. Edison. Yes. And most of the company were physicians and their wives, <laughs> except for this guy named Alec Cross, who was their friend, this adult man that they basically adopted, <laughs> who lived oh, in their home with them and <laughs> their child. And because he had PTSD from the war and he mm. was very nervous and would have panic attacks and stuff it's just it sounds like a sad situation yeah. and they invited him to the seance so i mean it's kind of awkward he's already there <laughs> well we might as well invite him you know uh if you get upset you can leave all right but just let everybody know <laughs> which which he will like he will freak out time and time again oh god but it's like it's like I mean, he's already in the room. Like, what do we do? Like, do, do we ask him <laughs> to leave? I, don't I mean, we can ask and see what he wants and he can try. It's just whatever he's comfortable with. Because <laughs> literally, they did these seances in the library on the fourth floor of this house at 10 Lime mm -hmm. Street. This is where the Crandons lived. And Alec Cross pretty much slept and hung out in the library. <laughs> And that's what oh they chose gosh. to do all the <laughs> Well, we're going to do this in your room, essentially. So um, yeah. I know there's a lot of other floors and rooms to this building, but we just like yours. It's just the comfortable temperature. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you can stay, I guess. So they gathered in the library and Roy had purchased this red lamp and he turned it down and it glowed dimly over the guest and they linked hands and an hour or so goes by. Nothing's happening. Mina starts like laughing to herself. It's sort of like when you're in church and everybody's super quiet and you're like, Oh God, it'd be <laughs> horrible if I just snickered right now. <laughs> you just can't hold it in anymore. Uh, and Roy was like, ah, shit, shit. Mina. <laughs> and so they kept holding hands and for a long time, nothing happened. And then the table shifted a few feet. Mm -hmm. And then it rose up on two of its legs in the air, held it for a little bit and then came crashing back down. No. Oh. So everybody's freaked out. I'm pretty sure Alec Cross probably shit his pants and ran out of the room. Um, the mm -hmm. way the book talks about Alec Cross is that he's this delicate little butterfly. <laughs> so he basically, <laughs> he basically like freaked out and ran out of the room. And so then they were like, okay, we got to see who is attracting this energy. Because according mm -hmm. to Crawford, it's usually one medium out of the circle that is attracting the energy. And so they played this game where they would exclude one person at the time. And if the phenomena stopped happening in their present and without them present, then they knew. And so <clears throat> one by one, they went through everyone until it was Mina's turn. And when Mina left the circle, they couldn't conjure anything or make anything move. 
Yes. They figure out it's Mina. And so they mm. start holding these seances at a regular frequency. And they form what is called the ABC Club. And this is oh, by June okay. of 1923. And the reason it's called the ABC Club is because all of their last names started with A, B, or C. However, huh. <laughs> there are two members that would later join whose last name started with R. So kind of fucks up the ABC kind of thing. So Yeah, yeah. Mark and Josephine Richardson, who had been partially responsible for introducing Roy to spiritualism, they joined the club. Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned before, they had two sons who literally they can, the two sons contracted polio at the same time. And literally three weeks later, they both died. Shit. Yeah. And so for years, these people would attend seances in search of their lost kids. And so Mm -hmm. at the time, they were the Crandons' only real spiritualist friends for a very long time. A week after their initial seance, the ABC Club met again. And on this night, something very interesting would occur. So they're quiet. They're linking hands. The lamplight is low. Everything has a red tint to it. Everything's (laughs) calm. And for a long time, again, nothing really happened. And then slowly the room grew colder. Mm. And then the table started to jerk and twist (laughs) back and forth. And so they started talking to the presence. So they started this communication. One turn for yes, two for no. And then Roy was like, "Eh, let's do taps instead. This is too much work. And so the spirit agreed. (laughs) And what's interesting about these taps is that they would start off mute and grow louder in per- mm-hmm. percussion, which is the opposite of how sound works. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, mm-hmm. usually you hear a sound, bam, and then it echoes off and it softens as the waves yeah. travel. They listened to the table that was being knocked with their stethoscopes, and all of the physicians couldn't figure out how the sound it started softer and then got louder and ended, which is oh, bizarre. Is weird. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. So the spirit that night announced itself as the mother of Kitty Brown and Frederick Caldwell. And it answered oh. some questions for some time. And then it dissipated and seemed to be replaced by another energy. Oh, the table lurched at Frederick Caldwell. Everyone in the circle accounted for what happened next. The table chased him out of the library, literally busting the the um, seams at the door, like breaking plaster as it chased oh, wow. him down the dark hallway and then into the Crandon's bedroom, where it forced him up on the bed. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> in this in this process, like we said, 
the walls had been scratched because this is an old building. The hallways are very narrow. This is a round table, big table. Scratched the plaster on the walls, rumpled all the rugs that came in contact. Alec Cross freaked the fuck out and started screaming. <laughs> and then the others, they were like, oh, fuck with it, fuck with it. Get it to chase you, fuck with it. <laughs> like, like pr- provoke it, <laughs> basically. And so, at quote-unquote, on request for more, the table started downstairs after him, Richard Certain recalled. <laughs> When we stopped it to save the wall plaster. <laughs> Not the walls. Yeah, yeah. So naturally, mm. everybody was perplexed. They were distressed. They were like, what the fuck? And yeah. what's most interesting is that this table was very heavy. It would have taken an incredible amount of force to drag it through the hallways, burst through doorways, and then down the <laughs> stairs. With seemingly nothing holding it or pushing it what the fuck yeah so (laughs) some questions some questions i'm sure so mediums had been known like false mediums to use their feet or maybe to wobble or lift a table or use magnets or something but this is an entire table Oh God! Not moving like a foot or a couple of inches this is an entire table chasing someone down a flight of stairs yeah that's that's kind of hard to that's kind of hard to to do yeah yeah so they learned that this spirit it comes forward and says that it is mina's dead brother walter stinson And so six days later, Roy basically bullies Mina into letting the spirit use her to speak. And at first she was like, oh, hell no. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. (laughs) And then Mm -mm. he said, well, let's ask Walter if he wants to speak. And so using the systems of Knox, Walter told them he would like to speak. And so Roy, there's this quote attributed to Roy, which he's kind of, he's just kind of shitbird. He turns mm-hmm. to me and he was like, well, little sister will do as big brother says. No. Oh. So Mina went into a trance. They're having a seance. She's holding the sides of her face and she starts to sweat and shake and she starts to sway back and forth. And then this guttural husky voice that is very stark in contrast to Mina's, came not from her mouth, from her general direction. Oh, wow. And and it yells, I said I could put this through. (laughs) A few other spirits made a visit that night. Mrs. Caldwell, Roy's grandmother. Nah, whatever. Yeah. But who is Walter? Who is this character? So Walter, in real, in life, was Mina's older brother. He was five years older. And he was known for his charm and his humor. And he was blonde and just as comely as his sister. Like, he was known for Mm -hmm. it to be, like, a very suave, very attractive man. And Mm -hmm. Walter was very protective of his sister. Uh, Walter died in 1911 when he was 28 uh, in a train crash. So, Mm. throughout the next several months, Walter would produce fantastic stunts. Um, his his voice, 
unlike other mediums of the time, mm. mediums who fake or real, it was noted that the voice always seemed like it came from the medium's direction, right? And the voice mm-hmm. always talked about mundane, stupid shit, like talking about objects <laughs> or being like, I sense that there's a loss in the room of one of the people here. <laughs> like, just yeah. really <laughs> fake no shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they noticed that Walter's voice came from different directions in the room. Oh. And it sounded like he was walking around the room. Like he would greet people personally next to their face, like talk, like say hello. Oh God. Oh. Um, yeah. Ooh. And Walter also spoke like he did in life. He didn't talk about stupid, banal shit. No, Walter was an entertainer. And Mm. Walter, he poked fun at the guests. He made vulgar (laughs) jokes. Um, He was catty and would come back at people with this, like, jovial kind of vengeance. Uh, He was catty. And... Once a visiting pastor had told him, Walter, I see that you're particularly stunned, should we say, by the presence of beauty. And Walter replied, and I'm just ad-libbing here. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You see, I am a young man. So I am actually quite lively around such young beauty. Unlike you, you old fuck. (laughs) (laughs) basically so oh my god (laughs) mm. so he had a personality and a liveliness to him and so every night he would announce his arrival by scratching and laughing on the walls and then the victrola the victrola that was downstairs would start playing And he would play with it during the seance. He would make it warble. He would make it change pitch. He would make it stop. He would make... It was bizarre. And so he produced ghostly whistles, all these things. And he still used the table to manifest physical phenomena. So the table would (laughs) dance. Yeah, the table would dance. It would jolt here and there. And then most curiously, it would act like a dog like it would basically stand on two legs and then do tricks <laughs> like a dog basically and once it levitated for 60 seconds he made it play the piano and oh my gosh what's also interesting is that during these seances it was common for the medium to sit in what's called a spirit box which is basically mm-hmm is like a little cubicle that's built out of wood that it supposedly helps the spirit the spirit medium like channel the disembodied voices and everybody from beyond basically so mm-hmm. it's like you're sitting in this little wooden cubicle um with a curtain in front of your face um mm-hmm. and it was interesting that during these séances with Walter Walter it was custom for him to make the cubicle, the spirit bo- spirit cabinet, shake violently and then Ugh. explode into tiny pieces. Oh, my God. 
if this isn't fake, I don't know how any of these people are fucking dealing with this shit. Like, if I saw this, <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, I don't know. I'm out. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> when uh, the first time it exploded, Walter was like, oh, the Richardson boys are here. They were playing with the spirit box. They're the ones who made it explode. The Richardson boys being the two little boys that died. Oh, my God. And so when searching through the rubble, they couldn't find any of the screws that had been used to put together the spirit spirit cabinet. And Walter told them, matter-of-factly, oh, one of the boys stacked them in the corner. And so they went and looked, and sure enough, all the screws were stacked in the corner. Oh, gosh. Weird, weird shit. So... Yeah. With all of this frivolity and merriment happening at the seances, they became well-known in Beacon Hill. And the Cranons were Mm -hmm. receiving a lot of attention from it. And Sir Arthur, I mean, ever scouting, ever looking for mediums, (laughs) they got on his radar. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle basically orchestrated all the researchers to come and visit Mina. But it started with him alerting William McDougall, who (laughs) was the head of the psychology department at Harvard. And McDougall is a hard ass and he's very hard to impress. (laughs) So he caught wind Mm. of it and he went to Beacon Hill. And so... On November 3rd, 1923, at 10 Lime Street, William McDougall and another researcher for the Scientific American, Harry Helson Roback, came to attend their first seance. And they were permitted a pre-seance investigation of the house. And so they basically, Mm -hmm. from top to bottom, turned everything over. They looked in cabinets, closets. They looked under furniture. They um, looked under bedding and linens. Um, looking for suspicious mechanisms, strings, wires, levers, pulleys, you name it, you know, and just inspected the whole thing. And then Mina's clothes yeah. were searched and an, ins- an assistant inspected her body, mm-hmm. s- inspected her naked, the whole nine yards. Oh. Then they held the seance and the seance oh, began okay. with five loud raps on the table. Hmm. And then the table violently shook towards McDougal. Oh, gosh. Then it turned back to Mina, and it started acting like a puppy again, doing tricks. And so it had been custom at this time, like we said, for Walter to announce himself with the rush of scratching and laughing. With mm-hmm. This ghostly, otherworldly like sounds, and yeah. so they're sitting there, red lamplight, and they start to hear the scritching, the dragging on the walls, and all the <laughs> little chuckles coming. Right, Ugh. and it's important that at this time, during this seance, McDougal and Helson uh, Roback had every sitter in the room sitting mm-hmm. with a mouthful of water and. They still heard Walter's voice as clear as day. Now, before you say, oh, well, someone could have swallowed their water. Mina could have swallowed her water. Walter said something really funny, and Mina laughed and spat her water all over the table. Um, 
And this, of course, Roy was like, I don't need it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so Walter had also, by this time, made it a custom that he would fuck with the clocks in the house. So hmm. he asked McDougal pointedly, he said, what time do you want the clocks to stop tonight? <laughs> he was like, uh, I guess 1030. And mm-hmm. so Roback, another member, went downstairs. The clock was running. All the servants, everybody, nobody was in the house except the ABC club and the researchers and Mina mm-hmm. and Roy. When they were leaving, they checked the grandfather clock downstairs and it was stopped at 1030. Holy shit. Yeah. So mm. McDougal, as we say, he was a hard dude to impress. So on November mm-hmm. 15th, Mina all of a sudden is summoned to McDougal's office at Harvard. And <laughs> basically she shows up. She doesn't know what this is about. Like she's like, okay. And he starts patronizing her and berating her for like an hour just like attempting to get her to confess and he basically was suggesting oh well this can't be real you must be mentally ill he must believe in this and you must be mentally ill and doing this and then wow and then he was like or it's a joke that got out of hand and he was like i'm worried for you just like being a real dick yeah and mina wasn't gonna take the bait she reminded mm. McDougal, she said, you were there restraining me and you saw everything. You and Roback restrained my limbs. You saw everything. Yeah. And this pissed McDougal off and he switched tactics <laughs> and got aggressive and tried to intimidate her. Hmm. Um, he, he tried to tell her that he was going to expose her to the community and to her husband. And Mina just told him, you know, Roy and I, we have no intentions to stop communicating with Walter. She's She has said, that's fine. He's as real as any psychologist that haunts Lime Street. So <laughs> McDougal then, last resort, reached into his desk and he pulls out this short piece of string and tells her that Roback had found it on the floor. She just laughs and rolls her eyes and she realizes this is just a game. He's trying any way he can to get her to make a false confession and she gets up and leaves. That same afternoon, we talked a little bit last time about Sir Arthur's new boo, Malcolm Bird. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Malcolm Bird, he was coming to Lime Street to sit with some seances with uh, Mina Hmm. and the ABC club. And he would go on to spend uh, over, attend over 57 seances there. Dang. And he became really friendly with the Crandons. He really liked them. But upon this first meeting, Mina openly voiced her complaints with McDougal about how he had treated her, McDougal accusing her of using string. And then she went to the library and she plucked a rug hair from the rug mm-hmm. in the library. And she held it up and she said, she said to Bird, she goes, what does this look like to you? And Bird said, uh, it looks like a short string that you pulled from the rug. She goes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so <laughs> that day they spent the whole afternoon with Bird basically inspecting the whole house, turning everything over again. And Mina the whole entire time is joking the whole time about how all the different types of string and bullshit that she could use, <laughs> all this like, ah, I wonder if I had this type of string, I could pull off this string, you know, just being very theatric and they were cracking jokes and Malcolm Bird just loved, loved her wit and her humor. He was mm-hmm. like, she has a sense of humor as wicked as my own. <laughs> <laughs> and so the following day, Roback actually came to Lime Street. So I'm guessing Bird mm. went back to McDougal and Roback and was like, you're being a fucking asshole. Cut it out. Yeah. Quit being, quit being an asshole. And so mm-hmm. Roback came to Lime Street and apologized in person to Mina and said he admitted that it matched the rug hair and that he had been too eager to disprove her. McDougal called later that day and also apologized, but I mean, it was clear that they were embarrassed. Uh, yeah. Bird's first night with the Crandons began convivial as usual, merriment and warmth at dinner to be sequenced <laughs> by a seance in the library. Ooh, that and sounds so fun. <laughs> I, I know. I, right? Yeah. I'm just so all the time. So like, cool. Sounds so much fun. So, yeah. Walter announces himself, of course, with the scratching and the giggling, which is really fucking disconcerting. But, anyways, <laughs> he starts calling Bird a pet name. He starts calling him Birdie. Oh. And he puts on his usual show of jokes and noises, but no physical phenomena really appears. And the whole entire time, Mina is visibly sick and not doing well. Like, she's not doing well. Hmm. And But at the same time, Bird noticed how different the voice was from everyone else that he had talked to in the house. Yeah. So the second night, the seance was still at a standstill. And for the longest time, they all sat in silence. Mina was still under the weather, but she went into a trance and the table started to jerk violently back and forth. Uh-oh. Was not Walter's style. Walter would usually just turn the table or make it hop around like a dog, right? So the mm-hmm. group sensed that there was an unfamiliar spirit afoot. And mm. so the intruding spirit only responded to questions with knocks. And at that, it was kind of a troll. So it only responded <laughs> with no over and over again. Hmm. Walter then interrupted the spirit and began his usual display of joking and being like, oh, you know, uh, <laughs> don't mind that. And like, <laughs> let's move on. And then just as he was getting started, the intruder cut through the seance with a loud hiss. That echoed through the room. And Walter yelled for the group to break the circle quick. Oh, God. So all the sitters pushed away from the table, except Mina, who was in a trance. She tried to get them back into the circle. But Roy was like, nah, fuck this. He turned on the Mm -hmm. light, turned the lamplight up. And then Mina went into violent convulsions. 
she fell over on the she fell over and was seizing on the floor and bird said that her face went feral and that Mm. her voice took on this guttural accent that was it was a bostonian accent but it was from a different area of boston they -hmm. called it a mud gutter accent hmm i don't know what that sounds like but (laughs) She basically started spewing curses at everyone, like, yeah, fuck you, fuck you, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, and then Walter once again tried to enter the room, right? And the spirit told him, get the hell out of (laughs) here. So they tried it again a third time. So the next night, Walter and the intruder were still fighting. Oh, gosh. I say, you don't have to speak to me that way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, throwing celestial punches at each other. And (laughs) Mina is so sick and she's weak. Mm. And she's just kind of slumped over like a husk in the spirit cabinet. And (laughs) Roback jokingly blamed the Harvard boys, meaning McDougal and himself, for angering the spirits. And he said Bird probably made it worse. Which I don't understand why, because Bird was the most courteous out of all of them. But anyways, Mm -hmm. so Bird and the researchers left. They were like, she's visibly fucked up. We're going to leave. You guys can continue if you want to. We're taking a break. So the ABC Mm -hmm. Club finished the seance. This is really creepy. Walter told the group that a meddling spirit that was in a plane closer to them than he was, was trying to take over and that Mina should never go into a trance again. Oh, wow. He also told them very sternly, he said, if I ever tell you to break the circle, then you better do it. Oh, wow. That's so <laughs> That's creepy. That's so creepy. Ugh. So the fourth night, the seance starts and it's in a joking tone. Mina seems like she's doing a little better and she's like joking around. She says, the goblins will get you if you don't watch out for me. <laughs> to her guests. <laughs> and she was still exhausted, but the table moved slightly and Roback, he was being a dick and he was just like bitched about wanting a larger display. Blah, blah, blah. And this embarrassed Malcolm Bird, Mina turned to Roback and then said, well, I'm just helpless without my magic thread. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole group just burst into laughter, except Roback, I'm guessing. The night waned on. Alex Cross, of course, freaked out, left the house. And one Mm -hmm. of the researchers excused themselves. The remaining group, they tried to contact Walter. And they linked hands and they waited and waited. And while they were waiting, Mina accidentally fell into a trance again. Oh, no. And then once again, the violent intruder made its presence known. Mina flew out of her seat onto the floor, screeching in anguish, in absolute sheer pain. 
she started seizing and shaking just violently. And Roy rushed to her side, was holding her. Bird remarked later, he said, if she's faking this, she ought to be in the movies because this is... (laughs) like clearly what he was seeing there is either a phenomena or some sort of serious psychological illness like there's really wrong (laughs) so bird reflected over the initial seances and he thought you know mcdougall and the other harvard boys they probably soured the relationship between Walter and the researchers. So Roback mm-hmm. attempted another seance, but upon hearing the guests' names, Walter demanded they break the circle immediately. So no mm-hmm. go. Later in Roy's den, they tried to summon him again. And this time, it was just the ABC club. And he promised them something incredible in days to come specifically he promised that the abc club would be treated to a manifestation of a living being from the netherworld oh god so that night during their seance a white dove literally flew through a solid wall into the seance room came from the middle of a wall. There were no holes in the wall or anything. And then landed in the middle of the table. And Walter said, there you go. There's a bird for birdie. (laughs) (laughs) And actually Kitty Brown took the bird and kept it as a pet. And it lived for six months and then it died. And she, they basically wished it like a good, a great journey back to Walter and they buried it in her yard. It's really, it's weird fucking shit. It's really, really weird. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to explain. (laughs) So unless all of these people, including the researchers are in on it, like how December, 1923, following all these initial seances with the researchers, The Crandons joined Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in England and did a tour of his circle of friends who were spiritualists. And so they performed Mm -hmm. for the British College of Psychical Science. At first, it was a bust. Nothing happened during the seance. Then they held a seance with the Society for Psychical Research. And so this new researcher, Eric Dingwall, was present. And what's funny about (laughs) Dingwall is like a collector of medieval erotica yeah wow what would that include interesting just a lot of a lot of wooden dildos i'm guessing a lot of stone <laughs> dildos oh, <laughs> and just, but he collected he collected them so oh yeah <laughs> uh and at this at the spr they had a table which Eric Dingwall had rigged so that it would collapse under any amount of pressure, like the slightest bit of pressure, it would collapse. The same (laughs) table levitated six times and twice in broad daylight. Oh, wow. And they, they're basically walking under this thing. They can't, they do not understand how the fuck this is happening. (laughs) And Mina then goes back to the British college of psychical science And she makes another 12-pound table 
float and dance and do the same damn thing. And so the founder of the BCPS, Hewitt McKenzie and Dean Wall were sold. Real deal, real deal. Real deal. So then they held a seance at Sir Arthur's house with his wife present. (laughs) And Mina sat in a specially built wooden cabinet with a carpeted Mm -hmm. floor. And Sir Arthur himself held her feet during the seance. And another researcher held her hands. And Mm -hmm. the table table levitated to an extreme height. (laughs) Roy turned up the lamplight. They all inspected the table. Why it was in the air. Couldn't figure out how the hell it's in the air. And then when the lamplight was dimmed again, it came back down. And then Walter announced himself with a faint little whistle. And then he (laughs) impishly flirted with Jean Doyle and left her a single rose at her feet. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So naturally, aside from the ghost hitting on his wife, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle (laughs) is pumped oh my gosh so then we reached the year 1924 and i know this is a lot of information i just think it's fucking fascinating it's awesome so walter would have a prolific year in 1924 he would arrive at almost every seance with the same conviviality, same jokes, everything, he would usually be accompanied by the Victrola, which would play the popular music of the time. The table would dance and act like a dog. He was flirtatious. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, and in the book, they, in the book, The Witch of Lime Street, they literally describe that everybody felt like the table was alive, like they could feel it vibrating under their hands wild like it was breathing oh just bizarre so he would give roses to all the women and tease all of the men he would put little like trinkets and shit in their pockets and sometimes steal from them but he would do other really funny things well (laughs) first he got in he got in a fight with roy because roy was probably being an asshole to his sister and he punched mm-hmm. Roy in the stomach. Oh wow. Yeah. So hmm. but he had some new phenomena that he would produce. <laughs> and they it was it's very curious. He began to <laughs> manifest astral beings, shapes and animals. Okay? Oh weird. So one was a flea which the researcher said bit them which uh, that could be totally fake a cat apparently rubbed up against one of their legs that could be fake but mostly most interestingly interestingly were these vibrant glowing shapes and amorphous creatures that would just manifest out of nothing in midair and not everybody saw the same thing some people would see one creature someone would see another creature but they're all at the same seance it's fucking weird that's crazy but there was a star a star was born and her name was (laughs) Susie the bat and Susie (laughs) was a phosphorescent astral bat And Walter would joke, oh, I rode Susie over here from the netherworld. 
We're just like, what the fuck? We'll talk about Susie later because she makes a comeback. All of Walter's hijinks would be witnessed by catalog of scientific American researchers, as well as the ABC Club. Malcolm Bird, Mm -hmm. again, we said over 57 seances. Herewood Carrington would be at the Crandons for 44 days in all. As testing became more and more restrictive, the ABC Club would be denied access to Mina. Hmm. So during Carrington's first seance, Mina had been drugged inside the cabinet, in the spirit cabinet, all over the room. Like, like with violent force, just and we're we're not talking about oh a little inches here and there. We're talking about mm-hmm. ripped around the room, like like Jeez. flying around the room. Okay. And to be sir, to be clear, every time before they had a seance, they searched the house from top to bottom. They made sure every servant was out of the house, was away. None of the ABC club was allowed to come as it went on. And they would search Mina, including her orifices. And (laughs) she would be in her cabinet. She would have her arms sticking out, restrained by two of the researchers, and her legs restrained by by one of the researchers. Yeah. Dang. And everything had been inspected, and there was a person that always stood by the door to make sure nobody came in or out. And Roback usually was the one who would walk around the room, making sure that nobody was doing any shifty business. Okay? Hmm. This shit still happened. So she's getting drug around the room while fucking McDougal is, like, holding on to her legs. So he's getting fucking drugged around the room. (laughs) She's she, fucking ridiculous. And so the left wing of the cabinet rips off. Oh. And they inspect it and upon and um, upon inspecting it. The screws have been ripped from the cabinet, not unscrewed. Okay. Oh. But McDougal, being stubborn, he was like, no, nah. She had to have an accomplice with an axe or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just a not sourpuss real. bitch. Mm-hmm. So Mina, her favorite joke became like the man with the axe. Like, oh, it must be the man <laughs> with the axe. Hmm. Oh, the table's <laughs> floating again and behaving like a dog. Hmm, must be my friend with the axe. Uh, <laughs> so, Mina, during 1924, her health deteriorates. Like, she has daily fatigue and nausea. She vomits almost every day, especially before the seance. She vomits. She's always sick. And during this time... She sends her son, John, away to boarding school, likely because she was too busy to look after him and because it was probably better for him not to be around all the strange adults and the ruckus. Yeah. So, yeah, she still felt very guilty of having to do Mm. this. And so 
there was a number of seances. She had to retire early. She had to quit because she was too sick to channel Walter. One of the more interesting phenomenons. So Mm -hmm. the Victrola. We we said how Walter likes to fuck with the Victrola and make it warble and so creepy. Anyway, (laughs) so the Victrola was monitored by several of the researchers. And it was witnessed physically in real time that Walter could control it playing, stop it, um, change the pitch, make it warble. No one could explain it. So the manufacturers were called. They took apart the Victrola. They inspected it. They put it back together and said, this is perfectly fine. We have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. He still managed to physically change the Victrola. And he would do it upon request. Bizarre. So, Daniel Comstock, one of the big judges, and Mm -hmm. he's a physicist from MIT. So, he got his research electricians from his lab to come Mm -hmm. out and inspect it and take it apart. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Everything looked like it was in working order, so they put it back together. One of the researchers actually replaced the Victrola with another one, and it still kept happening. That's wild. How the (laughs) fuck? How? If this is a trick, how? (laughs) Jeez. That's, I mean... No one is maybe you're not talking to the dead, but they're at least magic. They at least have magical powers, (laughs) at the very least. (laughs) I I just I don't even. Well, we know how Alistair Crowley says you're not actually talking to a dead person. You're talking to an elemental. So was it actually Walter? Mm. Mm. Uh, Whatever Uh, it was, I like it. Sense of humor. (laughs) Oh yeah. So things start to get even weirder. Uh oh. So in almost every single seance, we we we've said this time and again. In 1924, the spirit cabinet would explode. I'm not talking just break apart and fall apart. I'm talking <laughs> about explode into <laughs> shattered pieces of wood and just smithereens, just burst. And so every fucking day, they had another spirit cabinet built for Mina. Jesus Christ. Every night, it would explode again. So this activity is wild. (laughs) 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 It's wild. (laughs) But it gets better. On June 11th, 1924... Bird returned to Lime Street. And so Walter apparently greeted everybody by whispering in their ear, like getting right up close to them. Mm-hmm. Calls him Birdie. He's not thrilled because McDougal is there, but he continues mm. with a frivolity, right? And then the table does its puppy dog routine. The Victrola is warbling. All of this shit's happening. The fucking table is like running around the room. The table is like <laughs> acting like a fucking dog. It's like goddamn Beauty and the Beast. And this <laughs> <laughs> fucking <house. laughs> the, the Victrola is warbling, <laughs> playing haunted ghost music. <laughs> Walter's nah, laughing, talking about mm, mm, making vulgar jokes, pussies and dicks. Nah. <laughs> and then, 
Gosh, and when I'm dead one day, that, you know, that would be great. That'd it's be just, great. it's so crazy. The spirit cabinet then began to violently shake and Bird and McDougal were restraining her at this point. Bird's hair mm-hmm. got pulled and then something really bizarre and very entertaining happened. <laughs> Spectral lights in various shapes and forms manifested in the air and for a full hour... All of the guests, all the researchers witnessed these amorphous shapes that were glowing just manifest out of midair. Wow. And they came in and out of space, and not everyone saw the same light or shape at any given moment, which is fucking Mm -hmm. weird. Then the curtain rod, the curtain rod that kept (laughs) the thin lace curtain over Mina's face, right? Mm -hmm. Curtain rod breaks free. And it shoots down to the table and it's at an angle on the table. Like it's being held Mm -hmm. at an angle. Susie the bat manifests. So this glowing (laughs) bat, apparently feeling her oats that day, starts fucking pole dancing up and down this goddamn curtain rod. (laughs) (laughs) Like a nasty little tart. Just like, well, I mean, the book... The book says she slides up and down it, but we all know. Oh, we know. Oh, we know. I love that it's a bat. Like, just, it's a bat. It's just, it's the most bizarre shit. Like, if it you're does, it sounds be- like some some ghost is having just an absolute heyday with their imagination in the afterlife. Like, oh, you want to show? It's going to be on my terms. So here's <laughs> a sexy be- bet. <laughs> sexy bet. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, the spirit cabinet explodes again, you know. Just the usual. And so the scientific researchers at this point, they just have to be at, they're like, they're absolutely stunned. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Nobody knows. Walter, all the while, is trolling Bird constantly. Bird, apparently, some of the researchers were laughing at something that happened. And (laughs) Bird was like, (laughs) Tisk tisk, and Walter thought he did made a smooch sound, and so Walter yeah. would always smooch at Bird, like make smooching noises, <laughs> like mm, Birdie. <laughs> uh, the research team finally decided they're like, okay, she is the candidate. Mm-hmm. She needs to be tested. So. Let's make let's take her to different environments. Let's make some make some rudimentary tests. And for mm-hmm. these preliminary tests, Daniel Comstock constructed a test in which these balancing scales would be placed inside a glass case so no one could physically touch them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there would be a weight placed on one of the scales. And the other one left empty. And Mina's assignment was to produce the physical phenomena of moving and manipulating the scale without it being touched by herself or any other corporal person. Wow. 
Walter had no problem moving the scales and balancing them. He even asked Daniel Comstock, who, again, is a physician and a mechanical engineer. So this is not some rinky-dink little test. He says, um, hey, hey, Comstock, is it possible for the loaded scale to rise and the empty one to fall on its own volition? And Comstock assured him, no, physics will not allow that to just happen mm-hmm. on its own. And they all watched in disbelief as the heavy scale rose and the empty one fell. And so it maintained itself like that for a while and then resumed its original stance. Mm -hmm. Walter laughed, and he demanded more weight to be added to the loaded scale. And eventually (laughs) they would add more and more and more weight till they were at a six-to-one ratio. And he Mm -hmm. still managed to lift the loaded side into the air. Wow. Comstock eventually (laughs) got tired of this and he was getting frustrated. He didn't understand what was happening. And he said, he said to Walter, you're, you're quite addicted to the scales, aren't you? (laughs) And Walter was like, you were addicted first, my boy. (laughs) 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 And so Comstock went back to the drawing board. He said, okay, okay. He came back with another contraption, one in which a wooden lever, it was like a wooden lever attached to a string, and you had to Mm -hmm. press the lever. You had to put weight or physically move the lever to activate the bell to ring that was tied to the string. Mm. And so Walter passed the test immediately. (laughs) And so Comstock, not believing any of this, built an apparatus around the wooden box that it completely closed the box off from there was a bottom to it. There was sides and a top closes the bell bell contraption off completely. Mm-hmm. And he still rang the bell, the oh, bell gosh. rang by itself and Walter would make it stop and start at request. And then eventually wow. he told them, I got a special, special little message for you. And so he rang out a message in Morse code and it translated to, are all the scientists here damned fools? (laughs) Almost everyone in the research team was floored by this phenomena. And again, I cannot express to you the thoroughness of searching this woman and even taking her to different locales All of this, all of this was covered. They had no idea how the hell this was happening. But there was one holdout, though, and that was Walter Prince. (laughs) You remember the man who had adopted the little girl, Theodosia, who was the real quote-unquote psychomenum? Yeah, him. Mm -hmm. So he was known by his fellow researchers to be scrupulous and critical but he was one of the most well-respected researchers in the American Society for Psychical Psychical Research. Highly regarded. But he was very stubborn and willfully stubborn. And so after attending many of these seances, which he was involved in holding her in some of them, he still was like, nah, nah. Nah, one of, one of my fellow researchers must have fucked up and not found something. Nah, nah, 
It's not real. Can't be. Can't be. Just can't be. Jeez. And so Walter, during one seance, makes him a proposition. He says, okay, Walter Prince, I will give you a private seance in daylight. And he, Prince accepts. Walter later says, I'll give the old buck the surprise of his life. (laughs) At 2.30 p.m. the next day, the seance commenced. Now, this is, I, this to me, this is so spooky. Okay, so Mm. Prince inspected the bell box, inspected Mina with an assistant, got her naked, you know, all this shit. They were in a room that had daylight, had the curtains drawn. You know, it was 2.30 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. They sat directly across from each other. No table in between them. Mm -hmm. With their feet touching and their hands clasped, and the bell box was in Prince's lap. Okay? Okay. So they waited for some time. And he's starting to get annoyed. He's like, okay, this is going on for too long. And then all of a sudden, the room became frigid and Mina's hands grew ice cold and she started to shake and quiver. And she alerted Prince. She said, your wife is here. And Prince's wife had recently died from a fever. Oh, And so Walter shouted out that the kid is too cold. (laughs) And so (laughs) they paused and Mina walked around and warmed up in a coat. And then Prince inspected her again. He inspected the bell bell box again. They did all the same shit, inspected her. They sat Mm -hmm. toe to toe, linked hands, bell box and Prince's lap. An hour went by and Prince was just starting to give up when the bell started to ring from his lap. Oh. He quickly took apart the bell box, looked at it again, inspected it, put it back together, and then said, Walter, ring it now. And then five minutes later, they're waiting and Prince is starting to doubt doubt what he had heard the bell starts ringing. Oh, gosh. After that, he searches the bell box again. He searches Mina again, but he leaves impressed. Oh, wow. Hmm. So, what the fuck? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Bird was so ecstatic about this because he believed... he. He really, most of the scientific researchers in this weren't really, like, dedicated to, like, proving, like, an afterlife or any of that shit. They didn't want to have any part of, like, the the spiritualism, like, religious side of it. They wanted Mm -hmm. to prove the existence of this psychical phenomena as an element of nature or an element of science. They wanted to be able to study the phenomena and determine its scientific origin to figure out, well, fuck, is it? Is there another plane? Is there an astral plane? What happens to our energy? What, what is, you know, is there a correlation? So the Scientific American wrote two articles. And again, they called her Marjorie because she, the Crandons wanted to be anonymous. And 
in the articles, they, they announced that they had found their candidate and that she and her husband had paid for all of the testing thus far. Mina never charged anyone for a seance or to attend. And she didn't sell huh. seances. Okay. Okay. She had also paid for their meals, their boarding, everything. Soon after that article, though, you know, the zeal for spiritualism had been lit afire yet again. It was <laughs> booming because of this. And that those two articles got so much attention. Mm. And Gaius, who wasn't happy. Oh, I wonder who. Well, there was this little man named Harry Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> you and don't say. He was busy doing his own thing. He had actually explicitly told all of the researchers, do not contact me until you found a candidate that you are 100% sure is the real thing. I don't want to waste my time. I'm busy. So hmm. they left him out of most, they left him out of all the, the pre-trials because he mm -hmm. didn't want to, they better be certain before he gets involved. <laughs> so Houdini after they came forward and said they had a candidate through this article, he was livid because mm. in his eyes, because his name was tied to this contest, his reputation was at stake yet again. And <laughs> he was like, I didn't, I didn't approve of her. I didn't sit on any of these. And so he calls up Orson Munn, who owns the Scientific American, and he's bitching wildly about how, I mean, you can just imagine him like stomping back and forth, just ripping his wigs <laughs> off and it was taking out his earrings and just like, <laughs> just like, I never said that she was the real thing. I don't want my name attached to this. Blah, 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 blah. And then Orsonman <laughs> told him, yeah, you told us not to contact you until we found the real thing. And now we were going to contact you. We've just been, I don't know, Malcolm Bird's been, you know, procrastinating on it. And he was like, oh, yeah. well, that's because Malcolm, he just wants to poison <laughs> the pot and make everybody believe in this woman. And... <laughs> Actually, what I'm what is more probable is that Malcolm Bird didn't want to deal with your bullshit <laughs> or your attitude. Yeah. And yeah. so they were trying to put it off as long as possible. Okay. <laughs> but remember, Houdini is the most famous name attached to this. And he is an expert in his field. So they're using him for that. So yeah. he said, Orson Munn's like, all right, you want to test her? Let's go out. We, you know, we were just about to call you, okay? And <laughs> Houdini's like, I want to test this woman. He's like, yeah, of course. All right, I got you. Now shit, go to, yeah. <laughs> like, go, go to Boston. Go to Boston. Malcolm Bird and Orson Munn have a little aside after they get off the phone with Houdini. And they're like, okay. Orson, you know you have to go with him because he is not going to be on his best behavior. He's going to be <laughs> a fucking wild animal. <laughs> so, on July 22nd, 1924, Orson Munn and Harry Houdini traveled by train to Boston. 
And that's where we will pick back up next time. Ooh, very yeah. fun. I can't wait to see if Houdini gets his rope out and wants to tie all Mina up. So <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I I really love Susie the Bat a lot. Oh God. <laughs> God, who doesn't? She would be the she's just like <sighs> she's like Bartok's sexy cousin, you know what I mean? She's just Yeah. Just yeah. This brother. I want to be best friends with this ghost. I swear to God. Ugh. There was also Gosh. there was one one night I forgot to mention that. Spirit cabinet has shattered. They were inspecting us. An assistant was inspecting Mina's body after the seance. And she was like, whoa, you have something on your, on your body. And Mina looks down and on her left breast is a glowing substance. (laughs) But it's not wet. It's not, well, not to be disgusting. It's not crusty. It's not, it's not what you think. Okay. It's not powdery. It's like, it's like her skin has been dyed with this glowing substance. Huh. And so she goes back into the room naked and shows all the men. She's like, what do you think of this? Got this glowing titty right here. (laughs) So the, the moonlight is coming through and all the researchers, they say, they all take turns like trying to like get residue off of this or like touching. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> believe me, yeah, oh, um, that was a good night for them. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen such breasts in many years. Uh, oh, <laughs> no. Um, and they couldn't get the residue to come off or anything, like nothing to come off. And then right in front of their eyes, it just disappears. It just disappears off of her skin. And they said it was like sparkling in the moonlight. Like it was this phosphorescent glow. And then Mm -hmm. right in front of their eyes, it just leaves. It just disappears from her skin. Wow. So that's my uh, my that's my other case for it not being her actual brother because what brother is gonna fill up feel feel up his sister's tit? I mean, different times. <laughs> it is Massachusetts. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's lo- lonely on the other side, right? <laughs> but apparently, there's corporal tits, and there's no, not corporal. There are corporal. Tits. <laughs> apparently there are astral titties so i don't know hey according to raymond according to sir oliver lodge's son raymond you have a version of everything you had in life so (laughs) if walter wants to summon some breasts i bet he can oh yeah let's say so some fucking sisters will do <laughs> Some disembodied breasts. Just ooh, a nice, nice juicy milkers. <laughs> ooh, nice mommy milkers. <laughs> oh god. You know what I thought of the other day? The most ooh. disgusting word for for tits is stink meats. Uh. <laughs> stink meats. 
every single woman out there knows what I'm talking about when she, Mm -hmm. when, if you've had big boobs, you've known that smell. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The sweatiness. I got my stink mates. (laughs) Slap, slap, slap. (laughs) Slap, 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 slap. slap. (laughs) Oh, anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, I know this was a long one, but yeah, it was enjoyable. mm. It was very exciting. I I want I want a seance experience like that desperately. So mm-hmm. desperately. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you never know what you're gonna get, right? See, you gotta be careful. Nope. Gotta be careful. Oh, yeah. yeah. For all of you young witches and <laughs> other, you know, fun occult folks out there, <laughs> don't be don't be trying to summon Walter, okay? You don't know what the fuck you're gonna no. get. You know, no. it might be Susie the Bat, but it also might be a fucking backwards-faced evil red goblin that wants to eat your soul. So you don't know. Yeah, you never know. You gotta be careful. Protect yourself. Yeah. So wear a condom before you do a seance. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> gentlemen oh, 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 we're safe <laughs> <laughs> we're safe gentlemen now for this this scientific test we're all gonna need our lambskins <laughs> do you have <laughs> oh of course i do <laughs> yeah. oh gosh that reminds me i was researching for some reason today about syphilis and how it came about in the history of it. I'm like, what fucking rabbit hole did I go down? Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll have to do, we'll have to, (laughs) we're going to have to do an episode on social diseases for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. SDI. Well, they're called SDIs now, but back in the day, a social disease. (laughs) Mm, you know, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> you get it from talking to the neighbor too much. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for uh, listening. We will see you next time. Uh, bye. bye.